can be easily bruised or wounded. Now, who can be more easily wounded and bruised than us? We are fragile, and we need to be treated with gentle handling. At least some of us do, just like the fruit. Number three, fruit is attractive. Now, the more of the Holy Spirit works in our hearts and in our lives, the more attractive qualities we have. What's better attractive than love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? They're amazing, attractive qualities. Number four, fruit is nourishing. If we look at the word nourishing in the dictionary, we see it says it brings growth, it brings health, and it brings good condition. To be nourished is to be healthy, just like fruit. Now, Paul used fruit in our lives as a positive encouragement to help us to understand just how awesome it is to walk by the Spirit and not by our own will or our own selfish desires. Ephesians 5 and 16 says to let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. Now, we all know that our sinful nature can produce nasty things, but those nasty things reflect our own nature. Galatians 6 and 8 says that those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit that produces wonderful, great, lovely types of fruit in us, like love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, those fruits, they reflect his nature in us. You see, they're good and they're pleasing. Paul says in John 15, 4 to 5, it says, Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. And those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See, he is the vine and we are the branches. And when we, the branches, stay close and connected to the vine, which is God, then goodness and good fruit come out of us as a result. Now, Paul is talking about something that we can't achieve on our own. The fruit of the Spirit is not just something that we decide to do, but instead it's something that is the evidence of the Holy Spirit working inside of each of us. It's a work of the Spirit in our own heart. As the Spirit works in our life, We'll see change, we'll feel change, we'll feel lighter, we'll feel freer. See, the fruits, they grow, they mature, and they become part of who we are in Christ. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is one of the hardest concepts to teach children. Now, as soon as you mention the word fruit, they're lost. All they think about is apples, oranges, and bananas. Then you start teaching them about the love and the joy and all that kind of stuff, and as soon as you mention fruit again, it's like, you ask them the questions, they go, yeah, bananas. That's all they think about. I mean, it's one of those hardest things. Any Sunday school teacher in here can tell you that the same thing. It's just a very hard concept to teach children. You just have to leave fruit out of it, and then it would work. But I hope that by the time we finish today, that your answer for what are the fruits in your life won't be bananas. I hope you will see that it's a work of the Holy Spirit inside of you that produces love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I want us to pull a Pastor Stefan. Can we pull a Pastor Stefan for just a moment? Say, hey, neighbor. The Holy Spirit is at work inside of you. You guys are quiet. Try that again. Hey, neighbor. 
the Holy Spirit is in work. In, the Holy Spirit is at work inside of you. Now say other neighbor. The fruit of the Spirit is not a banana. The fruit of the Spirit, it takes time to grow. It takes time to mature and to become who we are. Now I have three things today to help us to stay connected to the vine so that we can grow spiritually, so that our life can reflect a heart of God's character, so that we can have an active faith. Now the first one is process. Now it's a process. Everything that is good takes time, takes commitment, no matter what it is. Fruit that goes through a ripening process, you know that tastes bitter. It, uh, maybe it tastes okay, but, but, or it looks okay, but it, it has that taste. It's hard or something, but it looks beautiful. It's unappealing. Um, you know, who's ever been to the grocery store and they, they, like, they see like the, you know, it's just a watermelons or melons are the best to say this. They look actually perfect and you take them home and you cut them and they're just, they're not, they're not even ripe yet. Or mangoes, that's pretty bad too. And they just taste horrible. Because it takes time for fruit to ripen naturally on the vine. Because it has a proper process that it has to go through. And it's the same with us. It takes time for the fruit to ripen in our own lives. Because it's a process. If we think about baking a cake, okay, so we put all the ingredients together, we mix it up, we preheat the oven, we pour the mix into the pan, and the cake is made, ready to eat. No, it's not process isn't complete. We haven't even baked it yet. It's just batter at this point. We have to continue the entire process before we'll actually get cake, unless you like eating, eating batter. Now, our growth with Jesus is a process. We don't ask Jesus into our life, and bam, every single thing is instantly changed, and we know everything, although some people think they do. We don't magically have everything figured out, and we haven't we don't magically have everything figured out, and we haven't got everything exactly the way Jesus wants it to be. It's a process. It takes growth. It takes time. Moving in the right direction is a process. If we take the steps necessary for whatever or wherever we need to be. If the process is slow and steady, then it will be lasting and rewarding. As we grow in our relationship with Jesus and we know him more, we will put his ways first. We will trust him more. We will give him more of ourselves. We will share openly with him about our struggles and about our feelings and about our fears. You see, trusting, it's also a process because especially if you have deep wounds or if you've been betrayed with trust before. I remember the first few years of me being a Christian. I had a really hard time, you know, understanding or trusting this father, this, this God. When my own father walked out on us and my own father wasn't there for us. But as I grew in my relationship with God, I saw firsthand that God is worth trusting. He doesn't walk away out on us. He doesn't walk away. He is there every moment of every day. He's always there. He never leaves. Sometimes we think that we trust God with everything when we actually don't. We try to figure things out for ourselves. I mean, that's not trusting God if we figure it out for ourselves. I found it very interesting that the word, the Greek word for faith, trust, and believe is the same word. I mean, do we believe? Do we have faith? And we need to trust as well. Believe, faith, and trust, they go hand in hand. And no one is more worthy of our trust 
Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says that we're to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, to lean not on our own understanding, but in all his ways, acknowledge him, and he will make our path straight. Now, the first day that you met your spouse, you know, I'm sure you liked them, or you probably wouldn't have been out with them on the date. But if they would have said to you, will you marry me? You probably would have said, uh, no, not yet. It's a little early. But after you dated them for a while, you know, and then they say, will you marry me? Yeah, okay, I'm starting to get to know you, okay. I just might marry you, and eventually you do, because you wouldn't have a spouse if you didn't marry them. It's similar with our relationship with Jesus. I mean, while your husband or your wife may never be 100% trustworthy because they are human, God is 100% trustworthy. The more we know him, the more we will know his voice, the closer we become, the more we will be like him. The more that we allow the Holy Spirit to guide our life, the more active the fruit of the Spirit will be and the more active our faith will be also. As we do this, we will begin to see the fruit in our life changing and getting more real and more like Jesus. Let's look briefly, and I mean briefly, at the nine fruits of the Spirit and see some of the character traits so that maybe we can look at them and see in our own life, you know, where we're at. The first one is love. Now, this is a big one. It says, Matthew 22, 37, it says, you must love the Lord with all of your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And this is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is equally important, to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I don't know about you, but that's a hard one. I mean, truthfully, to love your neighbor as yourself, you guys agree that that's a hard one for us all to do. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us how to love. It says love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way, it is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, it never loses face, it always hopeful, it endures through every circumstance. Wow. The good thing here is that if we grow in the fruit of love, we will see our love as more genuine. We will see it as unconditional, and we will have less of the meanies. You know, who has ever has the meanies? You guys are quiet. I think we all have some of the meanies. See, with, with that fruit growing, we will be able to show people that they're valuable and that they're loved. And as we grow in love, we will desire to meet the needs of others without expecting anything in return. Now, I always think of my dog when I think about unconditional love. She's so sweet. She's a great example, and I'm sure your dogs are too. I mean, we can be gone for 10 hours, and you come home, and they're just like licking you, and they're just so happy to see you. You can get mad at them, and they're still just happy to see you. You can leave for two minutes, come back in, it's like, oh, she's back, and they're so happy to see you. Like, that's unconditional love. Like, anyway. I just had to mention my dog. <laughs> the next one is joy. Many times, life struggles cause our attention to be more focused on the negative in our life. Now, it's easy to see negative, especially if you have some real deep wounds in your life. Now, most of you know that I'm going through quite a lot these days in my personal life. And to be quite honest, I don't feel much like being happy all the time. But joy is not being happy all the time. 
I do have joy, despite my circumstances. Sometimes I wonder how I can still have joy, but I know it's because of the Holy Spirit in my life. See, as we grow in this fruit, we will shift our focus to joy that he has for us. As we pray to him, as we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that we can endure anything because we have an eternity with him in heaven. See, joy is real hope. The next one is peace. Life has many obstacles that can just zap us. They can zap us of our peace. Some people just love drama and conflict and gossip. I mean, I know we have to deal with these things sometimes. It can't always be avoided. But we don't have to focus on them. We don't have to enjoy it. Who likes drama? Real peace comes as the Spirit of God teaches us to listen to what others are saying before we speak. It teaches us to think about the best in other people. No peace can ever come from looking at everything bad, at the bad in everything. As we encourage and we praise people, we find the joy in working things out rather than fighting. All these things help us to live in peace and grow in our relationship with God. Scripture even tells us in Romans that we can do everything we can to live in peace with everyone. The next one is patience. Who knows that we need a lot of help to put up with people that get on our nerves? We do. But patience is perseverance and endurance to not give up no matter what. Colossians 3.12 says that since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. The next one is goodness. Goodness is sincerity. We can all say, how are you doing today? But truthfully, do you really care? Or are you just being kind? But you know what? Just being kind is okay too. That's the next fruit we're going to talk about. But goodness is sincerity. It's integrity. It's honesty. It's compassion for others. It's doing the right thing. It's loving someone with sincere, sincerely caring for that person. Until, oops, sorry, I must have just changed my, there we go. Until sincerely caring for them and their well-being. It's asking them how they are doing and really being concerned for how they are doing. Kindness. It's easy to be kind to kind people. But it's a different story when people aren't treating us well. When we have the fruit of the Spirit in our heart, then we will see evidence of treating people with kindness even when they don't deserve it. You see, kindness is being nice even when that person, you know, speeds past you or honks at you past on the highway or those types of things. Or kindness is even being kind when you park over the yellow line all the time. And this is me, you know, and people aren't kind about that. They don't like it when you park and you don't park your car right. They, they get mad at you. They, get, they yell at you. But kindness is actually being kind even in those situations. I've even had somebody leave a note on my windshield once saying, move your car over, lady. I'm working on it. I really am. But my van's bigger and some reason or other, it doesn't fit right. It's the van's fault. It's not my fault. <laughs> Anyways, the next one is gentleness. This fruit shows itself as calmness, tenderness, meeting the needs of others. 
Now, gentleness produces a desire to please God with a humble heart. Words can never be taken back, and words can be very hurtful. So a gentle spirit keeps control of the tongue and of the temper. The next word is faithfulness. To be faithful means to say what you mean and mean what you say. A faithful person is loyal. It doesn't betray a confidence. It's devoted, it's dependable, and it's reliable. And the last one is self-control. I always say that we can't control what others do or say, but we can control what we say or do. We are only responsible for ourselves and our own actions. Angry outbursts, choices we make in life, attitudes towards others, impulses. Without self-control, our anger, our choices, our attitudes, and our impulses can get us into trouble. As the Spirit works in our life and in our heart, we don't only see change, we feel change. We feel lighter, we feel freer. As we stay connected to Jesus, we will grow in the fruit of the Spirit. And we will more naturally, as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our heart and in our minds. Isaiah 55 says that my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You see, our growth, it is a process, and process means a series of actions or steps to achieve a particular end. That's what it means if you, if you look at, at the word process. Number two, we need a willing heart. Now, we can be a Christian and not have a willing heart. We can be so stubborn that there's no willing heart in there, and there's no room for the Holy Spirit to work on anything. Or maybe we deal with arrogance or pride, or we think we've already figured it out. We don't need God. Sometimes we know the word of God so well that we think that that means we're a good Christian. Yet at the same time, we can be mean-spirited and nasty. We can have all the knowledge of the word and yet not be close to Jesus when it comes to the things that Jesus loves, like people, the poor, the church, the sick, the wounded. They are what he cares about and he wants us to care about. Our hearts need to be willing to change. Matthew 7 says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. But their fruit will be, you will rec uh, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. By their fruit you will recognize them. Let's face it. We all have things in our lives that we need to work on. We all have something that stands in our way. But if we say our heart is willing, and we do that, then, then those things, they, they, they no longer stand in our way. They, they begin to separate. Sometimes our heart is closed because of something that's very deep in it, something a very deep hurt or issue. But today, we need to open our hearts and give those things to God so that growth can happen. Now, this is a wonderful church. You guys are wonderful people. I love you. 
You're helpful. You have servants' hearts. I love you guys very much, and I'm not just saying that. I actually really mean that. But who would like to have even more, more than what we already have, more fruit in our life? Wouldn't you like to be a spiritual, alive person who loves the things that Jesus loves? The poor, the people, the sick, the wounded, the church, the broken, and on and on. To be willing requires action, commitment, and a deep need in our hearts to be growing in the fruit of the Spirit. Our willing hearts need to be willing to surrender ourselves to God and to allow the power of the Holy Spirit in us to direct us, to change us, and to guide us. As we do, spiritual fruit will show itself in our lives. It will change our character and our outlook on life, and ultimately it will change our future. His thoughts become our thoughts. His purpose becomes our purpose as we allow the Holy Spirit to direct us. Ephesians 4, 21 says, When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by the deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, we are emotional people. We feel sad, we feel hurt, we feel upset, we feel discouraged, we feel wounded, we feel angry, we feel bitter. Anybody relate? But these feelings, if they're, if, if, if they're what control us, if they, are, if, they are, if they are the only thing that control us, then our outcome, how can I say this? If it's the only thing that controls us, then our outcome is not necessarily good. Um, emotions are strong, and, and they can dictate us. They can dictate the way we behave. I know that they can, because they're real. They're real emotions. But if we are walking in the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we, and we nourish that relationship, and we share those emotions with God, even when we feel these emotions and character the character traits of God, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, and on, they stand out above everything else. We might need a few minutes or a few hours or a few days to work out those feelings that we just talked about, but because a lot of time our feelings are just really hard to deal with. But what I'm trying to say is that if we stay focused on God and we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, only good fruit will be the end result. You see, the Lord is at work in us personally, and he knows us intimately. Scripture tells us that he knows every hair on our head. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our strengths. He knows when we need help, and he knows when we need to be encouraged. He knows the areas in our life that need to be challenged and those that need to be strengthened. Remember that the fruit of the Spirit is at work. It works overtime on our behalf to grow us and to draw us closer to him. We can always try to love and try to be more patient and be self-controlled, and we do need to work on those things, absolutely, but true character, true lasting change comes when our walk with the Holy Spirit is alive and real and continuous. Oh, the last one is we need to be daily living for him. 
Now, there are some things that we need to do to keep this relationship alive and changing. But first of all, we need to read God's word. Now, this is a no-brainer. And yet, do you know how many people don't read the Bible? If you don't know what the word of God says, then how will you know him? How will you know his nature, his character? I was trying to change the setting in my car because all the sound was going in the back. Me and my car, eh? All the sound was going in the back, and I was trying to change it to what everybody else says. I pushed all the buttons. You know, I ruined, changed the heat and the, you know, all these other things, but I, the, heat, the sound was still going in the back. So what did I do? I got out the manual, and I read about it. And guess what? I can change the sound without needing the manual anymore because now I know. I challenge you to read and listen to God's word daily. It will teach you. It will equip you with a knowledge and an understanding of who God is. The relationship that you build with him will be like no other relationship that you will ever have. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Well, the next thing that we need to do is we need to be in community with other believers. See, when we spend time together, when we eat food together, when we have friendship together, when we encourage one another, when we help one another, when we care for one another, when we love one another, when we're in small groups together, we are loving what Jesus loves, not his people. Romans 12 says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray with God. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. And live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Community, it's what makes us stronger. It's what encourages us to continue our walk even when it's difficult. Have you ever heard someone say, I love Jesus, but I need someone with clothes? Yeah. Because we all need that special friend or those special friends that we can call in the middle of the night when life is rough. See, we need Christian community to pray with us. We need Christian community to encourage us when we feel like giving up. We need that community to build us up when we have fallen down. See, community with believers is so important and necessary. We each need that. And the last thing we need is to pray. We need to talk to God. Now, do you know what helped me so much with my walk with God and my prayer time? It was to speak my prayers out loud. Now, you heard Pastor Stefan said last week, he was using, I don't even remember how he was saying it, but he was talking about talking to somebody and going, and they don't know what you're talking about. All they see is, okay, all right, whatever. But unless you verbally say it, you know, then they hear it. Well, God knows everything, but there's something different about not praying just here, but praying here. You see, when we speak our prayers out loud in our own voice, it helps our relationship with God. I challenge you to start to talk to God verbally about the things in your life 
that you need help with. You can tell him anything. Nothing surprises him. When you say, Lord, I have these issues, or I, have, I feel this way, or I'm so afraid, or I'm so mad at that person for what they did, or, or any of those things. When we verbalize these things to God, we're actually saying, God, I need you. I can't do this by myself. We are releasing the very deep things of our heart to him. And not to mention, it also helps us in our prayer life when we're praying with others. Because if you've never heard yourself pray, then it really sounds really weird when you pray with somebody else. Because it's like, oh, what was that? You know. But when you're doing it on a regular basis and you pray with someone else, it comes very easily. You see, being in right relationship with him requires love and honesty and openness. When we nurture our relationship with God, we become more loving, more kind, more forgiving, more patient, more caring, more peaceful. It just naturally happens as a result of what God is doing in and through us as we give ourselves to him. Giving him praise and thanksgiving helps us with our gratitude, but it also helps us with our relationship. As I said a few minutes ago, I've been going through a difficult journey in my own life. And I was encouraged by someone to thank God daily for 10 things. At first I thought, 10 things is a lot every day. Like, how am I going to do that? But I quickly saw how much I have to be thankful for. Of course, some things repeat daily, but as I did this, I began to just see how much I have to be thankful for. It begins to change our perspective. I challenge you today to try this. Each day, pray and ask God, or thank God for 10 things. It's okay to repeat them, but give him praise and watch your heart be filled with thanksgiving. You will be blown away with how much we need to be thankful for. Dan, can I ask you to come back? As I close today, I want to remind us that our walk with God and the changes in our heart are a process. But if we have a willing heart that lives daily for him, through reading of his word, through community with believers, and through prayer, then the fruit of our life will grow, and our faith will be an active faith that lives for him.